Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. To Out of the Blue. It is Sunday the 8th of October. My name's Heather. And I'm Erin. We'd like to welcome you to the show today. You may be listening live on uh, 855 AM. You could also be listening online at 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. So today we're going to be talking about all things marine national parks. Hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name is Paul. This is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. A 3CR supporter. So welcome to Out of the Blue today. Now today our guest is Kelsey. Kelsey, welcome. Thank you, Heather. Good to be here. Nice to join us on a, well, it was a sunny day, but just as we came into the studio, the wind was really picking up there. Yeah, it's a bit mm. disappointing. I was going to do some gardening a bit later on. Not sure that'll happen. No, I think they're predicting a lot of rain later today. Great, yeah, great. perfect day to mm. just be in a radio studio. Excellent. Well, Kelsey has joined us today because we're going to talk about all things Marine National Park. So, Kelsey, I guess tell us a little bit about your background. All right. Um, well... I am a PhD candidate at Monash University. Um, I am about two, almost two and a half years in to my PhD, so pretty far along. Uh, I've always had an interest in marine parks, and thankfully my supervisor uh, focuses on terrestrial protected areas, so we found a really nice overlap uh, when I was looking for a PhD opportunity. Uh, so yeah, so we started um, researching uh, marine parks, and rather than focusing on marine parks from a global standpoint, we decided to focus specifically on Australia. A lot going on uh, here in this particular country with marine parks. They're a bit of a contentious issue. Mm. We also have a lot of ocean. So and you've right. got a lot of ocean. A lot and you've got ocean. a lot of marine parks. Largest marine marine protected area network, MPA for short now, uh, marine protected area network in the entire world. Over 3.3 million square kilometers of Which ocean protected. We should be totally proud of. Totally. Now that by itself sounds really good. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll go into a little bit of the more contentious issues a bit later on. But what specifically are you looking at in your PhD? I mean, you're looking at marine national parks. What about them is of interest to you and what are you studying? Well, the really cool thing about marine parks is uh, that I've come to learn from my PhD is that they're not all created equal. Ah. So MPA, marine protected area again, is more of a catch-all term. So... 
you know, an MPA could be a marine national park, which is what the federal government refers to them as. It could also be something as small as a fish habitat area, uh, very common in Queensland. Uh, we don't have them much here down here in Victoria, uh, but we've also got aquatic reserves. We've got marine sanctuaries here. So it's this, it's this incredibly dynamic system of marine protection here in Australia. Um, again, I haven't really looked at this on a global scale, but that's something that I'd like to do to see how Australia's marine uh, protection compares to other parts of the world. But it's a wonderful dynamic system here that you've got. Um, so essentially what I'm looking at is based on how the current network is situated, um, how are these marine protected areas able to protect the biodiversity that they're actually designed to protect? So it's a little bit of a different question. Um, a lot of people want to know, you know, are they working? Are they not working? What's going on? So that's not really what my PhD focuses on. It's, it's more so do they have the capacity to work based on their current configuration. So what you're really looking at is the actual uh, the boundaries of these marine parks, not necessarily the zoning, but do they have the capability, if we had the correct zoning in place, to actually perform what is really essential for protecting our environment? Correct. So I'm looking at um, how the boundary lines are drawn, uh, disregarding zones entirely. So yes. what are these MPAs actually covering? Is there anything underneath the water? Are, is there reef there? Is that a whale migratory route? What is it? Or is it just a whole bunch of ocean? <laughs> um, that we just happen to arbitrarily draw a line around. Um, and then, you know, we kind of, um, one of my chapters is actually taking that a little bit further. And then I am actually reviewing how the zones are situated to protect biodiversity. So again, not all MPAs are created equal. And we carve up our MPAs here. So you've got one big boundary clump, but then you've got eight different zones within that one boundary line. So it's right. really complicated and it creates a lots of problems for, you know, enforcement. And, you know, you can understand how, you know, the public who wants to go fishing kind of get confused when they're wondering where can I actually fish. And because they're confused, they're then frustrated. They then don't want the marine protected areas there. Correct. It's all, yeah, fair Correct. enough. Exactly. Okay. So we've, we've, we're looking at it from a whole bunch of different angles. Um, but again, more so not necessarily addressing are they are they currently working, but could they work? Okay, so taking it back for a minute, just looking at those boundaries, what are you basing that data or what are you looking at uh, that defines these boundaries? and seeing if they are applicable and if they are working. What, what defines these boundaries? Well, that's a great question. But so we look at the purpose of that particular MPA. So not yeah. all MPAs are basically commissioned with the same purpose in mind. That's the other thing that makes this, this particular system over here just incredibly complex is that you know, you can't assume that all MPAs are designed to protect biodiversity. That's the larger goal, but some of them have these little tiny smaller goals in mind as well. So if we go back to the original management plans and we say, okay, why was this MPA zoned? And if it was zoned, let's say, to protect the something, some kind of habitat there um, from development, like so let's say it's a really important, um, you know, intertidal zone and we, we put an MPA there. So development would be a threat that that particular MPA would be looking to mitigate. So we then go back and then we say, okay, well, first off, what kind of ecosystem are we looking to protect? And is that ecosystem actually there? Yep. Do we have, do we have monitoring data? Do we have habitat mapping data? What do we got? Then we take that a step further and we say, okay, what are the pressures that that 
on that particular MPA. So a lot of these marine park areas, are they actually defined because of potentially recreational use and actually fishing practices as well as protecting the environment? Correct, yes. So they do have a bunch of different goals in mind. And one of those goals absolutely is socioeconomic, bringing in um, bringing in visitors, bringing in tourism, um, and unfortunately, yes, some of them are zoned to allow commercial and recreational fishing. Right. Well, potentially, we need to actually zone these areas to allow commercial fishing. I mean, com- commercial fish consumption in Australia is uh, abundant, as it is around the rest of the world, so we do need to incorporate that. Uh, but in your studies, I mean, I know you're not specifically looking at this, what are you finding the different zones and how are they impacting the actual capabilities of the marine parks to operate? Um, so we have we have zones that allow different activities. So the particular zone that allows commercial fishing, that's called a habitat protection zone, um, which is a little bit um, a little bit of a little strange to me that we call a habitat protection zone one that allows all forms of recreational and commercial fishing and commercial Um, fishing and commercial so does this include trawling this sometimes actually can include trawling right it doesn't doesn't sound like a marine park to me let's protect an area and trawl it (laughs) it doesn't really work. counterintuitive yeah so we also do have a zone in australia called the general use zone now that nice. zone, general use zone, as as you Is would that imagine, not just the whole ocean, like general yes. use. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. So often, general use zones allow for trawling, and they also occasionally allow for mining, mining practices to happen as well. Ah, uh, very relevant at the moment. So it just sounds, uh, just coming from from uh, just just learning about today, uh, it does sound like that we've got all these marine boundaries. But the zones within them actually are very counterintuitive. And don't, uh, like, whilst we may have all of this area protected or under different zoning, it doesn't actually mean we have those sanctuaries protect habitat. So how much of that habitat and marine boundaries are actually focused on protecting our environment versus recreational use? Do you, do you know this? Or Well, I would love to have a percentage for you. Yep. <laughs> um, I can go ahead and tell you that that percentage is quite low. Right. Um, so we do have, um, I think the, the federal government typically refers to them as sanctuary zones, which is a very contentious issue right now. Yes. Because the new management plans, the new draft management plans that have just been released by the federal government have been proposing a huge cut yes. to these sanctuary zones. Now, sanctuary zones is one of the strictest forms of protection that we can offer the marine environment. So that is no fishing, period. No recreational fishing, no commercial fishing, no trawling, nothing. Basically, the only thing that you can do in a sanctuary zone, you can sometimes, not always, drive your boat through it. Mm -hmm. You can sometimes, not always, scuba dive, snorkel. Um, And oftentimes, you can't even anchor your boat there because there's something, there's a very delicate reef ecosystem usually underneath the sanctuary zone. That's why they zone them. But currently, the federal government has proposed these huge cutbacks to the sanctuary zone. And it's um, unfortunately in really important areas of biodiversity, particularly in the Coral Sea. Sure. Just to go back for a minute. um, So what we're referring to here is the uh, protection that was put in place by Gillard and uh, Tony Burke Mm -hmm. in uh, 2012. And uh, that was about five years ago. Tony Abbott obviously came in for a lot of political reasons immediately announced an independent review. and I use uh, independent in quotation marks there. It's a little bit hard on radio, but he is doing it, trust me. Yeah, I'm definitely doing it. If you just imagine me, imagine this sexy voice. uh, Imagine the air quotes. Quotation marks. Yeah, air quotes. quotes. So he 
immediately, for political reasons, wanted to review this. Uh, and everyone was quite upset about this. The scientific community, very upset about very worried about that. But Tony Abbott's, obviously, his reign of power didn't last too long, which we're all very happy about that. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, Turnbull has come in and he's a little bit of a, well, he's just not living up to all the expectations. And he's continued with this. And so just to uh, rehash what you're uh, referring to, um, in terms of the zoning, the green zone, um, just as, and that's a general summary, uh, that's a marine sanctuary protected zone. So in 2012, 36% of our marine park areas were this green zone. They're highly protected. They've now been reduced to 20%. How is that looking in your data? Is that is that... Is it law looking hunky dory? Oh, the look on your peachy? face says it all. Yes. Again, doesn't work for radio. We need to video this. <laughs> it's we're we're all cringing. Really, is is yep. what we're doing now. It is worth mentioning again that these are proposed changes, of so they're not on the ground yet. Essentially, when that review happened, all the previous management plans that went in place in 2012 were essentially frozen. So all of those marine parks, all of that massive area that's covering, God. 50% of the Marine Protected Area Network in Australia, at least, was basically turned into paper parks. So they were on the ground, they were boundary lines, but no active enforcement, no active monitoring, nothing. So that was really unfortunate, and the scientific community was really upset about that. But we were like, okay, we'll just sit back, hopefully this will be over soon, and maybe something good will come out of this review. Well, that was incre- that was incredibly wishful thinking. Mm. Um the scientific community is really upset over the results of this review. Um, they have, you know, some of the things that they're proposing, it's, it's just a huge step back. You know, in 2012, Australia really came forward and they made a huge commitment, you know, regardless of the fact, you know, there were definitely flaws there. We, you know, we definitely had some issues. We weren't really sure what these large MPAs were covering. We had a lot of work to do. But it was a huge step forward in terms of putting our foot forward and saying, okay, we're actually going to make a commitment to protecting our marine environment. It was mm. a step forward. It was a it? massive it was huge. step forward. We didn't have all the information, but it was a huge step forward and a commitment to actually do something. It was, which was something. It was something. It was a year later, pretty much, that it was all yep. pulled back, uh, obviously yep. by Tony Abbott. He's someone who looks to the past continually. Uh Yes, and I can tell you what when I was at the the IUCN conference in Hawaii last year for the World Conservation Congress, the number of people I spoke to, and they're like, Australia had some really good marine parks. Had what happened? Yes, I was like, don't even get me started. (laughs) It was embarrassing. Yeah, everybody appreciated that we had been doing some amazing work, and then everyone's like. What happened to your prime minister? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, I know, I know, we're she working on that. Out. Yeah. Well, Australia was actually a signatory to the Convention on Biological Diversity. So that was an agreement. A lot of world nations ratified that agreement. And part of that agreement was actually committing to 10% of your marine environment into a marine park, some kind of a marine park, regardless of what your nation called it, by the year of 2020. Well, in 2012, Australia didn't just reach 10%. They blew that out of the water. So we were actually the first nation on that signatory agreement to say, put our hand up and say, we've not only reached this target of the CBD, Convention of Biological Diversity, CBD for short, we've actually exceeded it. Wow. So all the other world countries were like, oh, we've actually got a lot of work to do. I love it. Like Australia comes in and goes, and we've just blown out of the water, mic drop. Like, (laughs) go us. And And then 
Yeah. Well, that, that sounds was fantastic. actually that was actually this was actually it lit a fire under a lot of nations. For example, the new marine park in Hawaii, Papahanaumokuakea. That's the one. Love saying that on air. That's the one. The new <laughs> Love marine. Love that. <laughs> it took me a long time to learn that over there. I had to video somebody saying it to learn how to pronounce it. I'm not even going to try to repronounce it. Papahanaumokuakea. I'm not going to try. No, I'm not going to try. Let's I'm move gonna, on. I'm going to basically butcher it. But essentially, so after 2012 came around and after those 40 marine national parks went in by the federal government of Australia, actually President Obama was part part of the basically movement following Australia to actually get more marine parks established Mm. in the United States. So you really were kind of like the ringleader behind this movement to get these marine national parks on the ground by 2020. And actually, 2020 is not that far away. No, it's not. Three years. Exactly. We brought that in. We exceeded the 10% limit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tony Abbott came in and announced a review. Was the changes that he put in place, as uh, seen by your data now, um, Mm -hmm. followed up by Turnbull, reflecting more so that 10% quota? Was it less? Is it more? Where are we sitting there? Or is it just a bit up in the air with the different zonings that are being proposed? Well, the 10% target, um, this is this is part of what my PhD focuses on as well. So the 10% target really focuses on area coverage. So that's saying, okay, you need to place a certain amount of square kilometers of your ocean into a marine park by 2020. And does that does that 10% stipulate that it has to be a sanctuary zone, a highest level of protection? Not at all. Not at all. It just so has that could to be, be open to a level of protection. You need to put a level of protection. Which could you be need to put some form- anything? It really could be anything. So a lot of a lot of nations define their zones differently. It's yes. really there's no there's no cohesive organization chart to help guide us. It's like every nation kind of does its own thing and they have their own rules. But this is part of what uh, my PhD is getting into is that that area metric, that target is not good enough. We right. can't look at marine protection particular only from an area metric we've got to go a little bit deeper we've got to look at the zoning sure we've got to look at the biodiversity that's there we've got to look at where the pressures in the marine environment are actually located we don't want to put a marine reserve in basically an area of the ocean way offshore that has no impact that has no you know nobody wants to fish there yes it's mm. not important for mining we, it, what's the point of putting a marine park there yeah yes. you want a flow on effect you want an area that by protecting it is going to help the areas around it correct. that's right correct. Yeah. That's right. correct so in terms of back to your question because you were asking about the 10 percent because these changes these proposed changes i would say to the marine parks currently are only impacting the zones that 10 percent target has actually still been met because right. we're not decreasing any area at all but what we're doing is actually even worse so instead of basically removing the boundary lines what we've done is we've gone in in an area that previously was designated as a sanctuary zone that had the highest level of protection that allowed that ecosystem to recover from fishing or trawling and allowed some of that growth to rebound has now been stripped of that protection completely so we're opening that area to recreational and commercial fishing and even trawling in some cases so the federal government has actually included a new zone specifically for trawling right so just some uh, news to brighten up your Sunday. Uh, if you're listening in, enjoy your day. Uh, and look, I, the, just the facts, that, the, the data that I've received, um, what you're just referring to, actually, uh, opening up some of these zones to trawling. So 38 of the remaining 44 uh, marine parks are open to trawling, gill netting, and long lining. Uh, some of the most destructive forms of fishing, yes. Yes. 
Uh, in some of these areas, the protection of the seafloor is in place, but you can still use mid-level trawling. Uh, and as far as I could tell from my um, research, the vast majority of those, there's really no restriction on the size of that trawling. No, absolutely not. And even if there is actually a restriction on the trawling or the particular type of fishing, um, it is really difficult to enforce a lot of ocean. Of course. So yes. then you have a problem with yep. people who can claim ignorance and can say that, oh, well, there's been so many changes to these marine parks. We're not sure what we're actually supposed to be doing yes, here or true. what we're not meant to true. be doing it, here. It does seem like a, such a confusing issue with you know, new governments coming in power, changing things. Uh, it is difficult for commercial, mm -hmm. recreational, and just everyone to use and understand these zones. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Well, and it's sad because I feel like people were just starting to get a handle on it. So once the 2012 <laughs> boundaries went in place, the instructions were excruciatingly detailed clear. Yep. They outlined exactly, they were actually working to put these boundaries into all GPS devices that were a part of all wow. boats. Okay. So all the commercial and a lot of the recreational fishers had built-in boundaries into their GPS locators. And they were on the ground, they were fine, everybody was getting used to them, and then we pulled the plug. And then we pulled out, pulled the rug out from underneath everybody and it says, nope, never mind. Uh, we're gonna basically shake all of this up and we're gonna strip some protection here and we're gonna open up a little bit more area to recreational fishing, but not all recreational fishing. It's just, it's so confusing. I don't know how, I don't know how a recreational fisherman who's going out to the Coral Sea has any idea of where the restrictions are or what the restrictions are. So it does sound like the zoning was uh, a lot more beneficial for our ecosystems, recreational use mm -hmm. and commercial use prior to the intervention of uh, Tony Abbott. Uh, just hating on so look, this is a call out to <laughs> Mr. Right, we're allowed to do that. <laughs> this is a call out to Mr. Turnbull. I don't think you're listening, but it sounds like the previous system was a lot better for everyone. Um, maybe it really was. We could it really was. That. And unfortunately, you know, marine protected areas. Once you put one down, it does take some time to see the benefits. You're not going to see the benefits right away. Of That's absurd. Of course. You know, you need to allow that marine protected area. You know, growth is slow in the marine environment. Mm. We all know this. You yeah. know takes a while for species to rebound after they've been overfished and it takes a while for those growth rates to recover so you know you got to give an mpa at least i would say at minimum a decade before you're going to start seeing some real positive benefits but we have enough research that says that those benefits will happen yes. there's plenty of research around the globe that you can look at that looked at an mpa that's been down for 10 years or more just all of these spillover effects into non-reserve sites yep. so spillover saying you know here's an mpa boundary here's a fish site all of these large fish species popular fishing species that are coming over the boundary of an mpa into areas where you can actually fish absolutely mm, exactly there's so much research to show that strong uh protections not only protect the biodiversity in their area, but have a direct correlation and benefit for commercial fisheries. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's something that we sort of glance over. We just think yeah. about the uh, the benefits right now. We can fish in this area right now, so let's do it. Yep. Let's think about long-term, let's be uh, prudent in our planning, and we can see benefits across the range. This is not just talking about marine ecology. We're talking about recreational commercial use mm -hmm. benefited by really strict and healthy uh, zoning. Well, and you're looking at increased tourism to that area as well. So if an area is beautiful and there's gorgeous coral reefs, people are going to want to snorkel there. They're going to yes. want to dive there. Look at the Great Barrier Reef. Mm, That's exactly. some of the most successful. Thankfully, the Great Barrier Reef is not being touched. The Great Barrier Reef is under state uh, jurisdiction. 
Global warming isn't helping, but yes. And the, well, let, let's not dealing get started with its own on the uh, okay. mining in that area. You're but, right. We but will in not, terms we'll of the not boundaries. Started. But in terms of this review that's going on, the federal and the Queensland government are not touching the Great Barrier Reef. Yes. Those zones are staying put. Nobody's touching them. And that was a brilliant zoning scheme. It's the poster child of zoning mm. around the world. They just did an absolutely fantastic job. The zones are exactly where they need to be, and they've seen the benefits of this zoning pattern. So when you talk about the the zonings and the boundaries are exactly where they need to be, how mm-hmm. do you define that? And well, how does your research reflect that? Yep. So what we're when I'm talking about the boundaries are where they need to be, I'm talking about the fact that the fishing, the areas that are open to fishing are in the right area. So if you assume you open an area open to fishing, you're allowing boats to enter that area. Boats are going to want to anchor in that area. So there's no delicate reef ecosystems in that area. They're also looking at the distribution of the big biodiversity that's in that area. So they've protected where these important ecosystems are under strict sanctuary zone. Fantastic. Okay. That's what I mean. So, and your data actually reflects that, looking at all those different uh, points and how those boundaries are actually um, isolated. Oh, they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. The Great Barrier Reef, I mean, apart from, unfortunately, the massive effects of climate change and mining. We're we're just about to end on a good note. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. We won't (laughs) go into that. But yes, the Great Barrier Reef, uh, they, they, I don't, in my personal opinion, um, my opinion obviously doesn't reflect everyone, all of the scientific community, but I personally think based on my data that they've done an absolute fabulous, fabulous job. And I really wish that they could replicate that same zoning scheme and the work that went into that zoning for all the MPAs in Australia. And it just doesn't look like they're doing that. I guess the positive to take out of it, though, is everyone looked at what we did in 2012 and everyone was like, you know what? Bloody fantastic. Yep. Like, yes. you're on it. So at least scientists in other parts of the world, even though other governments may not see, you know, look at us and go, well, now you've just stripped it all. We don't have to do anything now because Australia's not doing it. But at least the other scientists around the world are going, you know what? At least they proved it worked, though. They did. And they've proved it worked, and we can keep pushing our own governments to try and get that protection. Absolutely. A lot of countries have followed Australia's suit in terms of putting MPAs down after those massive parks in 2012. So, really set so the, great news. So really it, got even the ball if rolling. we are taking a step back, the rest of the world may have taken a little bit of a step forward based on our prior movements. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yes. I think it's a good positive, I think. I yeah. think if we can take something out of it. I mean, we have some pretty amazing animals here in Victoria, We've got some amazing little sanctuaries and it's just yep. get out there and go and see them. Absolutely. I know the water's cold, but it is slowly <laughs> warming up and slowly. I will be dragging all my dive, dive gear out of the uh, garage Well, in the soon. state, the state sanctuary zones are going nowhere. Nothing is happening to the state MPAs. Sure, so sure. we that is a positive note that your state MPAs right here in Victoria are going to stay put. They're going to be just as good as they have always been. Good Fantastic, because we have some pretty unique habitats down here with some incredible animals found nowhere else in the Definitely. world. Definitely. If, you're, so if cool. you're listening and looking for an opportunity to actually experience this, head down to Jawbone Sanctuary, Williamstown. Very accessible and great diversity down there. It's actually a little bit warmer because it's quite shallow. So that's always a benefit. That might be how you get people down there. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us on Out of the Blue today. You are listening to 855 AM. You can also podcast our show, though, so jump online. We have some pretty incredible shows from this year still available. Otherwise, coming up next is Sally with Out of the Pan. So enjoy your Sunday. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.